Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. Really great to have you all here today. I'm uh, very excited to welcome um, my friend, author and blogger and um, speaker, Sarah Bessie, um, to the podcast today. Welcome, Sarah. Really great to have you here. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, um, Sarah is um, uh, Sarah's written a few books. She's written um, Jesus Feminist which is a great book, and Out of Sorts as well. Um, she um, blogs at sarahbessie.com, and she is um, she's really great. Yeah, um, we're laughing because we've just had a few connection problems before we started this, this interview, so um, <laughs> we're kind of in a funny mood. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is going to be a really, really cool interview. I know you're going to learn a lot. So, um, Sarah, tell us a bit about... Um, your kind of spiritual and creative journey. <laughs> hmm. Oh, that's that's what, that's a question I could go a lot of different directions on, um, <laughs> really because it's been such a mess. But <laughs> I um, I would say that I have found that my creativity and my spiritual journey have been really um, intrinsically linked. I don't I don't know that I could have that I could separate them in in any way. It's been. Um, one of those, uh, I don't know, uh, paths, I suppose, that um, I have really found uh, where I've encountered God. Um, I have found that writing for me has become an altar where I meet with God. Uh, it's been a place that has been, um, you know, a time of, of everything from healing to wrestling to, mm. um, you know, all these all these different aspects of my spirituality have been worked through because of creativity. Um, within creativity, and I feel like it was a gift, um, you know, from God, but it, it was also an invitation. Uh, so mm. even now, I don't know that I could untangle one from the other. I don't really probably know how to be, how to practice spirituality without writing, and I don't know that I ever write anything that isn't incredibly connected to my faith and to my beliefs and to my spirituality. It's, it's very difficult for me to imagine being able to compartmentalize that at this point. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've found too. I feel like wherever God leads me on my journey, that something has to outwork itself creatively. That and mm-hmm. that whatever comes out of us is is somehow a reflection of um, where we are at that point, um, whether we intend it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I agree. I think that. Um you know, even if it's not necessarily, you know, public creativity. I mean, I think that sometimes we draw the, the distinction too much and we think that it's it's only things that are maybe published or things that are, you know, picked up or, or whatever else. But oftentimes even, you know, creativity in a very solitary and and personal way, um, you know, it has is a is a deeply spiritual thing and and it's not always necessarily just for the creation of art. It's oftentimes even just how we are working you know, the gospel in and through us. Um, and that's one more place, I suppose, where it shows up. I mean, really, what you believe about God shows up in every area of your life. Um, you know, what you believe about the nature, the character, the the activity of God uh, shows up in how you are in your relationships. If you're married, in your marriage, if you're a parent, it shows up in how you parent. If you, you know, are, are part of a community, it shows up in how you engage in that community. And so your work wouldn't really be any different. It's just that my work happens to overlap as well with my creativity. And so, you know, as well as my vocation, probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, there's something divine about creativity anyway, you know, because, you know, we're 
created by a creator and in his image so we're made with in a sense we're designed to create in a sense we're built to create um, oh absolutely and everybody creates in their own way and that's just it right it's not just always like the, the disciplines that perhaps most people tend to think about right it's not just writing it's not just painting it's not just you know there's so many different ways to be creative to encounter God and creativity um you know I see it in my my husband wouldn't necessarily maybe consider himself a traditional creative in the way that we've maybe understood that but yet there's so many ways where he's creative as a builder you know as someone who works with his hands as someone who loves to garden as someone who you know there's just so many ways where where you see even creation reflected in that right bringing order out of mm. chaos and you know creating something that's that's beautiful as well as functional you know just all those different things yeah absolutely 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 so in terms of like in terms of the books that you've written um what and you've obviously the first book was Jesus Feminist, which was kind of a long time coming. Um, mm-hmm. Like on your blog, it was like a theme that kind of unraveled itself on your blog and then became a book. And then yeah. out of sorts was more of a reflection on your whole journey, in a sense. So, in what mm-hmm. sense did they represent where you were at those different points in your journey? And how have you evolved, kind of since since those books were written? No, absolutely. I think that that's a a great question. I mean, you know, one of the things that I find really um, both frustrating and freeing about writing, particularly uh, in a deeply personal way about your faith, is um, the fact that you'll like you're likely to look back on the book that you loved and worked and poured your whole heart into within ten years and say I do a lot of things differently. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd say things differently. I don't believe you know this particular mm. thing any longer. I would add more nuance into this conversation, and you know I think that that's you know can be something that that scares people and holds you back from ever ever committing to ever you know kind of walking it out. Um, or it can be something that almost frees you where you just say, okay, you know what, I'm not going to be in, you know, in 2020, the same person I was in, you know, 2011 when I was writing Mm -hmm. Jesus Feminist. And so there's a lot of invitation and freedom, I think, in that. So, um, you know, Jesus Feminist grew really, um, out of a lot of conversations that were happening, uh, in my life and that were happening in my, um, in my church and in the, the broader church context, and uh, writing that book and, and putting it out into the world was was a really beautiful and redemptive experience for me. I always thought that it would be more of a niche book than it turned out to be. Um, the conversations are still ongoing, um, you know, that, that have arisen from that book. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for that. Mm. But out of sorts came out of the conversations from Jesus Feminist, which was funny because I wasn't really expecting that. I was, um, I remember going and talking to churches and conferences and, and university students even and sitting down with them and um, we would talk about you know the themes in the book about you know gender and about sexuality or about um, how Jesus saw women and you know all these other different mm. you know things that were, were very fraught conversations for some communities but inevitably people would always kind of put up their hand near the end of the conversation and say you mentioned in here that you didn't go to church for six years and now you do I need you to talk about that because so many people um, were wrestling with their faith and wrestling with, with what that was. And so that little glimpse into that conversation, I began to realize that I wanted to write the book that I wished I would have had, you know, 10 or 15 years ago when I sort of, you know, deeply wrestled with my faith and, and wanted to figure out what I believed and what, 
who Jesus was and what the purpose of church was and what I even thought about the Bible and how I read the Bible. I mean, all these different things that were deeply formative and shaping me. And yet I'm so glad I waited to write that book until I was, you know, 10 years on the other side of that wrestling, because if I would have tried to write it at that time, it would have been a very different book than it turned out to be. Hmm. So, um, and, and probably 10 years from now, I would write a different book as well. Right. But, um, mm, yeah, but yeah, it's been an, it's been an interesting journey and, and being able to see all of that come together and, um, to do it even in cooperation with my readers, uh, yeah. I feel has been a real, a real gift. Um, you know, as a writer, it's never just in isolation. If I just wanted to write it, put it in a journal, right? Like a big part of why you write <laughs> in this way is because you want to connect with people. You want to have those conversations. You want to see, you know, lives changed and, and people set free. You want to be participating in the creative work of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's your way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I find that as well. I, the journey I've been on personally, I, I'm, I found myself over the last year writing a lot of notes, writing a lot of pieces and um, putting, putting them in the Dropbox folder and thinking this is going to be a great book at some point but it's just I can't write this now because I'm not ready to hear it right now. You know, I'm not ready to mm-hmm. write this right now. If I write this now, I'm too close to it and I can't, I can't mm-hmm. just step away from it and reflect back because when you're, I, 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 for me, when you're too close to something, it's difficult to write about it. You want to kind of, when you have an idea, when you have like a whole set of thoughts and reflections and stuff on things, you want to, there's something in you, in you which wants to share that straight away. Like this adrenaline rush, this impulse, it wants you to put it out there straight away. But actually, what I've learned is that the wisest thing to do actually is to get all that stuff out, put it somewhere, reflect on it, stand away from it, and then come back to it. Because it, you know, because then you'll actually get the wisdom that comes from all of those experiences, and that's what out of sorts is a, is is very is very much. It's kind of you looking back at those six years that you were away from church, um, mm-hmm. having come back. Yeah, I, you know, I think that that's a, a huge part of it. Is oftentimes we don't have the perspective for our own lives until a few years have gone by, and we don't even know necessarily where it's going to lead. Um, you know, if I would have tried to write, you know, that book, I was writing the whole time, Mm. you know, that I was walking through that, that process. And a lot of it, even I was blogging, right. So Mm. I was doing it even in a public way, um, you know, wrestling with, with things on, you know, oversharing on the internet and and all sorts of things. (laughs) But really the only way to understand things sometimes is to come around and see them with fresh eyes later, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the same way even with your childhood. You know, the way that you understand your childhood when you're a child is very different than the way you understand your childhood when you are an adult and you're, you know, a few years on the other side and you're looking at it and saying, oh, well, you know, maybe that wasn't as normal as I thought it was or maybe that was better than I remember it being or, you know, just having that perspective and that gift of a little bit of space, it doesn't matter necessarily. It doesn't, space isn't necessarily always commensurate with time in terms of being able to really sort out you know, a, at mm. least a truthful path within it. But I find that that time does help for sure. Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think it definitely does. Um, yeah, I find, actually, I find it easier to see what the arc of what God has been doing in my life, but when I look back, rather than, it's difficult to see when you're in the midst of it, to see what God is actually doing. Um, yeah, God is a great storyteller. Um, much better than us. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um 
Yeah, that's, that's 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 very very true. So, in terms of blogging, the blogging is slightly different from writing books, isn't it? It's a, it's a it's a medium where it's very in the now. Um, and I followed your blog for years, and it's one of my favourite blogs. And there's lots of reasons for that, but one of the reasons is it doesn't seem like you don't. It's very real. It's very raw it's very honest and it's very like on those you can sense that this is actually what you're really feeling right now it's not like some like part of some big strategy or you know it's not like gone through about 10 drafts you know it's not like you wrote it weeks ago it's like this is what what's going what's going on in you right now right and um how i mean how do you balance that kind of rawness and authenticity in like in in what you're doing with obviously the need to be discerning and protective of certain things in your life as well and not be overly vulnerable and you know not to overshare in a sense Mm -hmm. I mean how do you kind of balance that uh you know that is something that I think I learned on my feet you know in the in the middle of it I think probably by making mistakes um and by realizing oh that didn't feel good or that that didn't land the way that I wanted it to, or this was, I wish I hadn't written that, you know, um, you know, later on looking back. So I think it took me a while to find my stride on that. And, and I think that everybody kind of finds their, their groove maybe on that sort of writing. Um, now I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on how I blog, why I blog, even, you know, with late blogging has changed a lot, even in the last three or four years in terms of, you know, community and engagement and it's expanded to include, you know, so many other different channels. Like even times now I'll, I'll post what normally would have been on my blog on my Facebook page. Um, you know, and the conversation is, is, you know, incredibly robust and, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of, uh, of great things that kind of, you know, spin out of that. So I think that when I, when it comes to, um, the vulnerability question or what to share or when to share it and deciding how to do that, first of all, I find that a deeply spirit led process, mm. um, that that is something that has to be done in cooperation and with the counsel of the Holy spirit, um, being active in my life. I'm one of those charismatic, happy, copy kind of people. And so I tend to, you know, lean (laughs) a little more heavily on that perhaps, but, um, you know, there's times when I just know that it's not time to share something and there's no reason for it. And then there's other times where I thought that I was writing something that was, you know, more for myself and just feel a real release to say, no, you know what? I think that this is something that's good to share. And so I, I do follow my piece a lot in that. I do follow, um, you know, that, that, uh, what I feel is kind of like a a soul leading. However, there's other things that also come into play. And one of them is I've learned not to write if it's, um, or not to publish it, pardon me, if it is something that is still incredibly, um, that someone could wound me in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so if I were to put it out there and say, here's what it is, can, have I wrestled the power out of it? You know, have I gotten to the point where it doesn't matter what anybody could say or not say that I know that this is the right thing that I needed to say or I needed to do? Um, you know, for instance, there was a story about, um, you know, one of my, my experiences giving birth. But it took me seven years 
to really, really process that and really walk through it. And then by the time I was, I actually wrote it, then I let another nine months go by before I even posted it on my blog to say, you know, here's kind of what that process looked like. Mm. Uh, it's not always like that for me. There's times when I write something and 30 minutes later I've pressed, you know, publish and I'm ready to move on. Like it doesn't always require this great big, you know, wrestling by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Um, you know, other things that, that guide me in that decision is I've, I've learned to be vulnerable with my own thoughts and opinions and experiences and not with the thoughts and opinions and experiences of others, including people in my own family, like my own children. You know, I really felt like there were times when I overstepped that boundary when they were smaller and I had to um, learn the hard way that that was not right. It wasn't right for me to impose narrative on their lives. It wasn't right for me to share their secrets. It wasn't right for me to um, consider them content in any way. And I mean, thankfully, I feel like I realized that very early in their their lives and so was able to pull that back but I would say the same thing about my husband and I would say the same thing about you know even my extended family or my friends uh, mm-hmm. my church my community they need to know that they're not content for me they need to know that I protect them and that I protect their stories um, that I protect our conversations um, and that that's not up for uh, they need to know I'm trustworthy in my real life and there has to be a seamlessness there for me yeah absolutely yeah. that's that's very very true that's very one thing that's writing a book is and the kind of the whole oh we've got to get permission from everybody you tell a story about you know the kind of just because of the naivety of publishing my first book i didn't didn't know all these all these legal things you had to do when you're writing when you're writing kind of memoiry stuff and when you're sharing people's stories you know you've got to get like legal people then to sign things and this kind of thing and it's like and it actually got it actually gets you thinking like ah well this is not my story i have to be careful i have to be respectful i have to yeah show love and respect for this person as a person first yeah and well i think that writing even helps you begin to realize that your story is not the single story right (laughs) about Mm. about anything um you know that there's so many different perspectives or ideas and and learning how to hold all of those in tension um uh, i think is a is a learned thing and uh and a deeply spiritual practice as well right because even it's a sense of well you know who's my neighbor how do i love love that person well how do i you know embody the gospel even in this even in the the owning of my truth or in the the telling of my truth um you know those are those are things i don't know necessarily that you can separate from Mm. the experience of creativity um you know, it, it doesn't mean you're not honest. It doesn't mean you're not owning what needs to be said or, or your memoir or any or in any capacity. Um, but I'm a, certainly a lot more quicker to write about my own faults and feelings than I am about the, uh, the faults and feelings of others anymore. <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that resonates completely. Um, yeah. And the other thing about creativity, when you're... When you're in the right so say you're in the writing world for example just as an example um but when you're in the artistic world and you'll promote you you know you're putting your work out into the world and um especially when you publish material and you you, know, you like books or if you're a musician it's an album or whatever you there's there's an element of marketing and promoting your work which comes with it um which is a very real thing um, and which kind of when you when you've written something or you've made something and you want people to hear it, you kind of want people to hear it. So you want to you want to promote the book, you want to market the book. But there's also this kind of like danger of you know, do I care more about 
people buying the book or do I care about the message? You know, do I care about one person hearing this and having their life changed or a million people buying this book and not being changed at all? You know, um, and not losing your artistic integrity, you know, and not losing your, you know, not losing your integrity full stop, you know. So how do you, as someone who's, you know, got, got quite a public face now you know and publishes books and that kind of thing and speaks and things how do you maintain that kind of integrity without you know um without lose without um while still honoring the fact that you know you've got to market promote that kind of thing um the work that you do mm-hmm. you know i think that that's something that a lot of um of artists or creative creatives struggle with at times. Um, we really love the act of creation. We don't really always like the act of like marketing. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. And so, you know, what is, you know, one of the things that's been really helpful for me is, well, first of all, my background's in marketing. Um, so I worked in, in marketing, um, and in, uh, strategic planning for, you know, a dozen years for, for 12 years before I began to, to write full time. Hmm. So I'm not as probably as afraid of it as, as other people um, maybe are. It's not a foreign world to me. I know how to write a marketing plan. I know how to, you know, do that kind of stuff. And so that's helpful because, I mean, we live in an age right now where most authors, most artists have to be very schooled in self-promotion, um, which feels gross. <laughs> it feels mm-hmm. gross sometimes to be yeah. like, here's this thing that I believe in so deeply on a, on a spiritual level. And now I'm going to try to flog it out in the public square. And so, you know, learning, I feel, I feel learning how to almost kind of dissociate from that a little bit has been helpful in terms of like, you know, do I love it or, and do I want to see it go out into the world in a way that is redemptive and good and beautiful? Yeah, I think that can happen. And so, you know, how do I do that as a person and not as a promoter? You know, can I look at it as, as ways to connect with people, as ways to, to move together with people, to intersect with their stories? And so for me, I've, I've gotten to the point where I enjoy that process, um, probably more because I feel it's demystified. Um, and also, you know what, this, and this is something that maybe some other creatives would disagree with me on. Um, I understand it's a business, right? Like when you have a publisher, they also have you know, a bottom line, they have obligations, they have things that they need you to meet. And you know what, um, a lot of angst isn't going to make that go away. And so how can I work within that system in a way that feels uh, authentic to who I am, as well as honorable to the book that I wrote? Um, and in a way that isn't creating or feeding more into the machine of, you know, Christian celebrity and evangelical hero complexes that I think is so damaging. Mm. Um, I don't know that I do it well all the time, but I, I think there is a way to do it. And I haven't felt like it's being soul sucking, um, yet. (laughs) (laughs) So that may happen at some point, um, perhaps, but so far, I mean, I find ways to market that feel more, um, grassroots that feel more, um, you know, connect about driving towards connection and driving towards conversation and driving towards, um, you know, really having a chance to even crawl down off of any pedestal that perhaps people would like to put people who write or people who they consider a spiritual leader on, um, and instead just get face to face and, and, and see that happen. Um, I found it really, really helpful in that regard. The other thing that I feel is, is really deeply important in these conversations is to stay incredibly rooted in your very real ordinary life. 
um, that oftentimes as an artist, you have almost feel like you have these two warring factions that are happening. Anytime you put any sort of work or art or, or thoughts out into the world where you've got, you know, what your critics, you know, and, and that can be both constructive criticism and, you know, even people that would maybe more be characterized as hate. Although I don't love actioning happening and you're like, I can do nothing right. There's nothing. <laughs> it's all, all terrible. And, you know, and then on the other side, you have these people who think that you can do no wrong, you yeah. know, and that everything you say and everything that you do is, is, you know, above question or above reproach. And living exclusively in either one of those things is not healthy. It's no. not healthy for your soul. It's not healthy for your uh, relationship with God. It's not healthy for your relationship in your in, with your own self. Um, and so listening too much to either one of those sides, I think, is, is something that, that is a bit of a danger as a creative because then you can either become someone who believes in your own hype yeah. And starts to think that you're untouchable, starts to think that you are the smartest person in the room, starts to think that you are the most spiritual person in the room, or you become incredibly paralyzed and are unable to create anything at all because everybody's just going to hate it anyway. Um, you know, and it's not to say that all of us don't sometimes move within those two functions, you know, as an artist at, at any time anyway. But for me, staying really rooted in my life and with people who actually know me and who know I'm not either one of those things exclusively, um, you know, is really helpful in, in terms of how to, you know, kind of walk it out on the other side as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, that, that is, that's connected too with our, with our spirituality because I, you know, if we're being faithful to, to God and trying to honor him in what we do, then it isn't about us anyway. And it has to be about um, him. And, like, ultimately this is something... The way I often see it is that I, I've got this gift that I've been given and that I feel like that I have a responsibility to steward that gift and to share that with people. And then it's not up to me how they respond, you know. I can promote it, I can market it, I can put it out there, I can tell people about it. But ultimately, it's not my job to decide how people respond to that. Um, and it's, you know, um, and God doesn't owe me success. Um, you know, um, and, you know, getting lots of numbers isn't the, actually isn't probably the, what defines success in the first place. So, um, no, very true. Right? Faithfulness isn't commensurate with, you know, worldly success or consumption, not by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, and so learning how to even embrace, you know, faithfulness in, in those times of, of, you know, quiet or, or creation, creativity or, you know, whatever else it is. I think that's a really, a really good thing to, to begin to wrap ourselves around. Yeah. And it's a process, of course, because, you know, we're not perfect and we all make mistakes and you all get sucked into things sometimes. And, you know, you kind of like to believe our own hype a little bit, you know, because you know, uh, I know that I know as a writer that I can have an ego at times, and um, um, I need to kind of not indulge that ego too much because it's not uh, it's not healthy. <laughs> Very true. I definitely found that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, okay, talking about this theme of spirituality and creativity, um, um, we've talked about the work that we do. What about? I think I was thinking about creative work that we interact with that we engage with um and I, <laughs> because i was talking to you i had a specific um, thing in mind because um 
Um, in case you're um, not aware, if, you're, if, you, if you know Sarah's work very well, you'll know that she's a fan of British television. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you'll know... Like a sl- slobbering over fan is probably more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and she's a fan of... Um, well, there's two shows in particular that she's a fan of, that I'm a fan of. Um, um, one is Sherlock, which we're not going to talk about today, but... Um, the other one is Doctor Who. We're going to talk about that in January when it comes out. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about that. Yes. Well, yes, by the time this comes out, that will have already come out. So, um, yeah, um, that would be interesting. But, yes, Doctor Who. Now, um, I know some of you are going to like, you know, want, to, want to turn off immediately I talk about this but and think this has nothing to do with spirituality whatsoever. But um, Sarah and I will, will beg to differer. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, enjoy your, we'll enjoy ourselves immensely for the next five or ten Yeah, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> No, um, if you're not familiar with the show, it's about a, um, a character called the Doctor who travels around in a, a spaceship, which is which looks like a blue telephone box, but is actually huge on the inside, and travels through time and space and fixes history and um, meets all these kind of interesting people and takes on all these evil people um, and um, kind of just lives on and on and on forever and regenerates when he dies into a different form. That's basically it, and it's been going since 1963, um, and it's still going. So, um, and um, but there's I've I'll be honest that there's a, I think there's a when I watch that show, there is a deep spirituality about that show. So um, I connect with God a lot through that show, um, in lots of ways. Um, the Doctor is often this lonely traveller. Um, the guy who saves everybody and nobody ever knows that he saves everybody um, and he travels with a companion a lot um, but it's always, it always seemed to me well the doctor that I resonated with the most which was number 10 um, was very much a lonely traveller um, lots of people loved him but he never had anyone who stayed with him um, and I resonated with that but I also got a sense of um, God the divine that uh, in that as well that he is somebody who saves our lives so many times and we don't even know <laughs> we don't even know he was there we don't even know it was him um what's your so sarah what's your kind of spiritual connection with dr who how does that impact your spirituality oh you know i think that I, you know, I, I came to it a little bit um, surprised. I'm not normally a, a big sci-fi person um, at all, and so I was quite surprised when I ended up falling, you know, headfirst kind of into this, you know, universe. But I think that part of the reason why I did is because I did find it a deeply theological and experience as well as just, you know, playing good fun. So there's that aspect <laughs> yes. as well. Uh, you know, great storytelling, you know, incredibly complicated, long, long running stories that often circle back around and around and around on each other. And so, mm. you know, there's, there's a lot of different places where I feel um, like there's, you know, that it, that it informs, you know, maybe my spirituality or that I, I find ways to encounter God there. But I think one of the, the ones right off the bat is, um, first of all, the, the inherent sense of wonder and curiosity to the show. Um, Mm. you know, even that things like aliens or strange planets or the past or historical figures are, you know, at the end of the day, 
you know, something to be curious about and something to hold with a sense of wonder and enchantment. And it feels like in our world these days, we live in a, a, an age of disenchantment of, uh, of very little magic and curiosity. And so being able to embrace that, um, being able to see the, I think, the wonder even of the universe, to hold it as something um, with possibility instead of with limits has been mm. really fun. You know, it's been, it been eye-opening even in sense of like, gosh, just look at how much God is in physics, you know? <laughs> so, yes, absolutely, uh, yeah. You know, wonderful to see and experience and to realize like, wow, there's just so much we don't know and so much that is good and that is possible and um, that's exciting. Uh, I think the other thing that I really have found that I, I loved about the show is that it's incredibly life-affirming, um, that there's never this sense, you know, one of the things the doctor often says is, um, you know, that in all the 900 years of time and space travel, that he's never met anyone who wasn't important. Um, and it's, it's funny how often throughout this, the show, the people we love most or that we connect with the most aren't maybe these massive historical figures or super important future, you know, planets or whatever else. It's mm -hmm. really the inherent ordinariness of the stories as they're unfolding and the, um, the humanity, I suppose. You know, that's within that connection, within that, that sense of, of beauty and friendship and, you know, and love and, and all those other things. So, Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it, I, the reason I talk about it is, is again, it's because it's, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a work of creativity. You know, it's someone's imagination. Um, and, the, I mean, the people, I don't think the people that write it are necessarily questions, but I don't think they are at all, in fact. But there's a sense that you know we're all created by a creator again and so that is again reflected in what we create and anything that is created can tell us about the divine in one way or another if we're looking for it you know mm -hmm. um especially a show like that show which is again like you're talking about goodness and that you know that one of the things i love about the doctor is that he no matter how bad things get, he never gives up. And he keeps believing in people and he keeps having hope for people. And um, he seems to help everyone he meets seems to kind of have their life changed and become more the person they were meant to be. You know? Um, and there's something really divine about that. Um, and something to hold on to, I think. Something hopeful, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that that's, that's part of it. There's even the sense of the doctor. I mean, the doctor certainly is not a stand-in for, you know, any sort of Christ figure, but no. there's these elements um, that are really intriguing, I think, as a person of faith. For instance, the fact that he is, um, you know, someone who, who struggles with his, his past and yet, you know, continually is, is trying to move towards a person that he longs to be. Um, you know, even the fact that he doesn't carry a weapon, he carries, you know, a sonic screwdriver, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> the yeah. fact that, you know, that he has two hearts, right? Like, there's all these different things that, that are metaphors almost for how, you know, people, you know, can engage in life or the kind of hero um, that we are looking towards, um, which I find really, really beautiful. And I think the other thing, too, that I've, I've liked about the show is the sense of, like, almost when you step outside of time, and even this goes back to some of your questions earlier about, you know, when do you know it's okay to write about a story or when do you know it's, you know, that you fully understand it. 
Um, and that's just it. Like with that show, you oftentimes are taking a step out of linear progressive time and seeing the larger story. And oftentimes mm-hmm. it isn't until several years into watching the show that one particular thing that happened here is actually even answered. And you're like, oh, that's what happened. Now yeah. I understand River Song, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I love River Song. Being able to see those cycles and see the, the, the picture come more and more and more clear that you didn't understand or you thought you did and then time unfolds or, or even space, you know, changes and, and you begin to see, oh, okay, everything is deeply connected and, you know, everything is, is even purposeful in, in a lot of those ways and, um, you know, fixed points in time, you know, all that kind of different stuff. So it's, it's a tremendous amount of fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, I think the point... Yeah, I think the real point here is that, you know, that we, I think we need to, if we look for for God in something, we can find him, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially in creativity, you know, I mean, I'm a big film fan as well, you know, and one of the, one of the reasons I love films is, again, the, you, know, you see these timeless truths, you, you have these characters and these stories which tell you something about the world, tell you something about yourself. And, you know, if you're looking, like, 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 like in scripture it says, if you seek, you will find, you know. Um, that's, why people love, that's why people love books. That's why people love the Harry Potter books. It's because, you know, they, they connect them with something inside themselves. But they also connect them with God, in a sense, without even maybe realising it, I think. I don't, I don't know, because there's something about creativity which connects us with God at a very basic level. Well, I think even when you look at storytelling from that perspective of, of really there's something hidden within all of our hearts that we are longing for things to be made right, right? We're, we're, and that's that's maybe oftentimes where, where sometimes those instincts come even in, in work that perhaps, you know, you wouldn't overtly consider a Christian and yet it is profoundly mm. in line with oftentimes the, the God's dream for the universe, God's dream for us as humanity when you see this sense of, you know, companionship or friendship or, you know, love or, or fun or, I mean, all these different things that, that you show up there, and let alone, you know, good, the, the classic good versus evil. You know, we're, we are longing to see good win. And yeah. I think that that's, that's a reflection of really probably how most of us were, were created. We we're always longing to see goodness and wholeness and peace and, and, you know, shalom come to reign, whether it's at Hogwarts or <laughs> in our regular lives. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, just to shoot around as we, as we kind of draw to a, a close. Um, what, 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 what's your, what are you working on right now? What's the, what's the creative work that you're doing right now? And, and, and what's the, what's the journey? What's the kind of journey that you're on at the moment? You know, I think that one of the journeys that I'm on right now is is learning how to, um, you know, create or be creative and sustainably. Um, You know, we have these flashes oftentimes of creativity or we just like to pour ourselves entirely into our work. But um, my life doesn't lend itself to that right now in this season. I I often, you know, will joke with people. I'll say, you know, if if I would have had a, you know, a housekeeper and and didn't have a family, I probably couldn't create Middle Earth. And so, <laughs> you know, it's, there's this sense of like, okay, so I've got four children. 
you know, I'm married. I uh, have a local church. I have a, you know, uh, community. I have an extended family. I, you know, a lot of things are functioning in my life just like anybody else's life. So how can you be faithful to your vocation and to your calling and to your creativity in a way that's sustainable over the long term, not only for yourself, but for all the people whom you love? Uh, how do you, how do you write well in the midst of a life as opposed to the myth of, you know, the writer who goes off to the cabin for, you know, six months to create in peace. Mm. I mean, that sounds fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but mm. oh, <laughs> it's yeah. not really a reality yeah. <laughs> for me right now. And so, um, learning how to write well when you maybe aren't getting your first preference, um, you know, in terms of your, your times of creativity or even the length of, of time you get to commit yourself to it. I mean, I think that that's, that's an ongoing journey in my life right now. Um, I don't know that I always do it well. Um, but you know what? I'm still working. And I'm still showing up no matter how, you know, imperfect or, or loud sometimes it can feel. Mm. Yeah. And you're working on your next book, which we're all looking forward to. Um, I'm looking forward That's to reading that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, if, you haven't, if you haven't read Sarah's books, I would definitely recommend both of them. Um, they're, they're really, really good. Really inspiring and healing and thought-provoking. They will take you out of your comfort zones, but they will um, they will definitely help you grow. So um, I definitely recommend those. And um, you can connect with Sarah on her blog, which is sarahbessie.com. And she's on Twitter. I think that's Sarah Bessie as well, isn't it? Everything's just Sarah Bessie, isn't it? Pretty much everywhere. <laughs> everywhere you go, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, thank you for coming on today, Sarah. It's been really, really good to talk to you um, and to talk about all this different all this all this all these different topics and um yeah thanks thanks so much well thanks for having me and thanks for making room for these kinds of conversations i think it's really important oh thank you thank you okay well that's um that's all for this week everyone um thanks for listening and uh, we'll talk soon <laughs>